Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Uh, I'm the only one from the group on today, but we have a special guest to join me. That's Steve Bartle of 24-7 Sports and Ute Zone to come on the show to preview this weekend's matchup. Top 15 teams Oregon at Utah. Steve, how you doing, man? How are things going in Salt Lake City? Man, I'm I'm doing good. Um, yeah, no, thanks for having me on. And things are good, man. Weather's getting a little chilly here, which you know, you guys are used to that up there. Uh, but but yeah, it's getting a little chilly. It should be a pretty interesting game, uh, weather-wise at least, here in Salt Lake City. So be prepared for that, duck fans. It, what is it cold? Is it is it I mean, last I looked, I thought, I thought it was supposed to be like 60 or 55 and sunny yeah no something something changed and now it's looking like it's going to be 45 so oh geez. i don't know it randomly changed i guess yesterday that's what my wife was was sharing with me yesterday it was like oh it just drastically changed 10 degrees somehow so oh, cool be prepared for the cold we <laughs> it may even rain i don't know the weather's being weird man well it's been a weird season for utah it's been a whirlwind of a season. It's been a fun <laughs> season. Um, yeah. Not only have they stayed afloat, but they are winning. They are winning big games. They are in the top 15. We're going into the last weekend in October, and they are still very much in the thick of the Pac-12 championship race, despite uh, just – I don't even want to call it a rash because it's like <laughs> – Yeah. It's it's beyond that of, of injuries. Yeah. Uh, what has kept this program – chugging along as if none of these injuries have happened man it's uh it's been the coaching staff first and foremost finding ways to win you know game planning and scheming things and and doing that sort of stuff but the players players buying into what the coaches are you know asking them to do each and every week uh has been uh, two of the most important factors because i'm gonna list off qb1 rb2 Wide receiver three, tight end one, tight end two. Uh, that's just the offense, uh, and those are those are just season-ending injuries. That's even before we start diving into who missed time during these weeks and that. The long, it's just a list of injuries that Utah's had to overcome, and they've had to have a number of guys step up in a number of games. You know, the Florida game, the season opener, Utah was down their top two defensive tackles. Uh, their and and their third one was a little dinged up coming out of fall camp. So, you know, each and every week there's been a new challenge on the health front, and yet this team just continues to find ways to win. And that's something that Kyle Whittingham talks about, um, you know, every week that every game there's a way to win. You just have to figure it out, and that's what they've done so far. Uh, it hasn't been the smoothest of operations, to say the least, with. Uh, you know, with Cameron Rising and Brant Keithy, uh, you know, everybody wondering when they're going to come back. It's seeming like they were close to being back. Now they're not, and just what that means um, in in actuality and reality 
for the guys at practice, uh, you know, specifically that quarterback room can be, you know, super, super touch and go. Uh, you know, if guys don't know that they're going to be the guy, if they do and how they divvy up reps. So, you know, now that there's um, at least resolution with Cam and Brandt, uh, it seemed to help Bryson Barnes, you know, coming out of that bye week, he was named the starter and that's just seemed to help him kind of settle in at the position. And he's played his best ball the last two weeks, which is exactly what this team needs, you know, as we enter the final month of the season. So, you know, getting back to your questions, it's just been the coaching staff and players buying into the game plan each and every week. Maybe building off of that and an example of it is Whittingham, I think has said that this is his deepest team since he's been yeah. the head coach. I think his one through 85 comment is as good as it's been. Um, was that expected going into the year or has this kind of been, you know, every team every year has surprises that develop throughout the season. Is this one of those or was this kind of viewed as, Hey, like we're, we're going to be deep. We know that. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely a, um, you know, a talking point all off season long was the depth on paper looked really, really good. Unfortunately, Utah wasn't able to utilize all of that depth together in any sort of game, but it has helped them stay afloat and, and stay competitive in these games. Um, you know, Utah's, uh, so that was that was certainly part of it. It was expected that Utah would have, you know, depth to survive, and I think that's one thing that they've learned over the last two years is that if you want to win a championship, you know, you've got to be healthy at the end of the year uh, to play to be playing your best ball. And so I think that's been a, a goal, and to win a third straight, which was the goal this year for them, they knew that they needed their deepest team. Um, and so they they went into the transfer portal. They added a couple key pieces, specifically on that defense side of the ball, to kind of help the depth there. Uh, they had you know a big running back room, uh, but that's dwindled in, in terms of health as well. And so you know there's there's a lot of depth, and guys are starting to to emerge from you know what they were expected their roles, what their expected roles were, were, were going to be coming into the year. Uh, and, and guys are starting to step up a guy that comes to mind, landing King tight end, you know, he was going to be the third, fourth tight end. Um, and he's had to, to step up. He scored a touchdown, uh, two touchdowns this season. He scored a touchdown last week against USC. And I think you're starting to see his involvement a little bit more, more and more each and every week. So, you know, it, it's good that Utah took that approach this off season because, you know, if I don't think they, <laughs> you know, it's not that they were prepared for this uh, just insane number of injuries, but it's, it certainly helped that they prepared and had the depth that they have coming into the season. Let's talk big picture here for a second. Um, beyond this season this is the last year in the pac 12 we were joking about it you know before we started recording the show of this is gonna be my first and all probably yeah. last time that i'll be at yeah. rice cycle stadium um oregon fans they're jacked out to be in the big 10 i think everyone probably from an oregon fan perspective wanted the league to, to stay intact though yeah um how has the the big how has utah's fans taken in the move to the big 12 are they excited or is this a spot they didn't want to be uh do they view themselves i i think they could go into that league and just straight up dominate it bully it for a long time as long as whittingham's here what's just kind of the mood of, of this yeah move I, to the big 12 yeah i think it's uh it's d all of the above right all of the emotions right so you know, there's having gone through 
you know, an invite to a power conference before, you know, there was a lot of, a ton of excitement. It was unanimous. Like everybody was excited, Jack through the roof to be joining the PAC 12 conference. And with this move, it's, it's definitely not the same. <laughs> it's definitely not the same level of excitement uh, because, you know, it's, it's not that it's a step down. It's not, it's going to be a very competitive league in both football and basketball. But I think, uh, just with everything that comes with being in the Pac-12, right? So, uh, you know, academics, you know, first and foremost, great to be associated with the likes of, you know, Stanford and, and all of those, you know, those, those schools. The the football history here, right, with, uh, you know, with Oregon's recent run, Washington's, USC's long history and all that. So you're now tied and connected to that, Um you know, and, and so just all of these things, then you talk about the destinations, Portland and, and Oregon is such a fun place to go to Seattle, Los Angeles. And, and so all of that combined, I think it's been a lot of fun for Utah fans being in the PAC 12 and being associated with these other programs. Now going to the big 12, while it's going to be competitive on the field and it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, these people love their sports. Uh, it's just different. And I think that's kind of the thing. Uh, that a lot of fans are, uh, I don't want to say disappointed, but it's it's definitely a letdown. And I, th I think there's no denying that. But I think uh, there's still a lot of excitement about this opportunity to go to the Big 12 because, as you said, you know, Utah coming into the league is going to be considered one of the top contenders you know, in the conference. And that's huge, especially when we start talking about you know, when is the next round of conference realignment? What is that going to look like? You know, there are people that believe, you know, it's, it's, we're going to have a year off yeah. and then you start to hear, you know, conversations ramping up again. And so, you know, for Utah, it's a great opportunity to go into the Big 12 and to uh, remain relevant. And I think that's so important when you're talking about, uh, you know, being, you know, considered one of the top programs in the country. If you're in a league and you're winning and you're staying in the conversation, you're staying in the top 25, that's going to help Utah moving forward. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's not the same, but I think as people have started to settle in to allow it, you know, that, that news to settle in, I think there is a lot of excitement now um, for the league and for what it means for Utah. Um, Steve, let's go back to this game. Bryson Barnes is, now captain he's now qb1 yeah. you mentioned the last two weeks he's he's kind of flipped a switch there for him um just what's he bring to the table I mean, look this is a, this is a guy that was at least to my knowledge former walk-on i don't know if he's is yep. he still on is he on scholarship now or is he he's still on scholarship now yep okay so but still a former walk-on guy that had a, a great story had to work really hard to get on scholarship What's he bring to the table? What's kind of the game plan around him? What what why is he QB one? Yeah, you know, I think he's just a a kid on the team that teammates love and teammates respect. I think that's where you need to start with the conversation with Bryson Barnes. Um, you know, he's a guy that's worked his tail off, that has the respect of his teammates. And I think, you know, now that the quarterback situation is has been settled. You know, there's no longer the the question looming of when is Cam going to be back. Now that we know it's going to be Bryson, I think that's allowed both him and the team to you know make to understand like and accept like this is what it is. Let's let's make the best of it. Let's go. Let's get after it. And I think 
that's kind of been the mindset of the team. And, you know, for Bryson, he's a guy that, uh, again, he's very motivated. He's very competitive. He's worked his tail off being a walk-on, but being in the quarterback competition speaks to just how competitive he is. So, you know, he's a guy that's going to give, you know, his guys, his team, everything that he's got. And you saw that last week against USC, especially on that last drive, um, you know, considering some of the runs that he had to make and some of the decisions he made, you know, he, he wanted to, to, to give his team everything that he have. And, and I think like that's, that's the the thing uh, to understand with him first and foremost, talking about his game, his skill set. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's improving. And I think that's the big thing. He's a guy that can make, uh, you know, accurate throws to the short and intermediate areas of the field. Uh, and I think that's been uh, a missing element uh, from this offense that, you know, this is a, a ground game that Utah wants to lean on. And it's pretty, pretty potent with Jaquinnon Jackson and now the emergence of Sione Vaki and that uh, explosive uh, dynamic that he's brought. And so Utah needed to find balance because, you know, opposing defenses were just able to load up, you know, in the box and, and eliminate the run. And, for Utah to now have Bryson Barnes making throws that he's needed to, that he absolutely cannot miss. I think that's even brought, you know, a little bit of balance. It's shifted the balance um, a little bit. And, and I think he's, he's a guy that still needs to make improvements, still needs to take advantage of opportunities deeper down the field. Uh, but you saw progress from week one or not from week one, but against Cal right. to USC, um, you know, you saw that in the numbers, but you also saw that in terms of the routes that he threw, uh, some of the accuracy that he displayed. So I think that's he doesn't need to be super explosive, super dynamic. But if he can just be efficient with the ball, efficient with the with the throws and and protect the ball, I think that's all this Utah offense needs out of him. You touched on him a little bit. Uh, Jaquindon Jackson, Sione Vaki, Jalen Glover. Utah always has really good running backs. Uh, it, it feels like every year, um, hopefully, knock on wood, this doesn't happen, but every year someone gets hurt late in the year, and then they just <laughs> shuffle in the next guy, and it's, oh, my God, this guy's really good too. Um, this year it's a little unique, though, because Jackson was a former quarterback. Vaki is a starting safety, and now, I mean, do we call him a starting running back? What's just made this group so really good, you know, really good i mean they are and they're all different body types you know jackson's 2362 glover's you know the small little bowling ball that's 5'8 200 pounds and then there's vaki who's right in the middle of six foot 200 pound guy just why is this group so good well i think it starts with quinton ganther and just what he's brought to the table as a coach you know this this utah offense um it's you know, they, they know how to coach the run They're If they're going to rely on, you know, they're going to rely on it pretty heavily and they know how to coach it. And, you know, it's simple. It's not the most expansive run game where, you know, you're seeing a lot of different looks. You have seen more over the last couple of weeks, but they just know how to coach it up. They, they know how to, you know, get guys performing at a good level. Um, and, and I think it speaks also to just the natural talent of these guys as well. Jaquinnon Jackson, uh, former four-star, top 100 recruit. He was a quarterback out of Duncanville in Texas. Uh, legendary status in the state of Texas. If you talk to people that follow, yeah. you know, Texas high school football. So, you know, he came out as a dual-threat quarterback. 
Um, a lot of talk at Texas about moving him to linebacker, but comes to Utah to play quarterback. He makes the move last year and just his progression from, you know, Arizona state was the first week that he played running back to the end of the season where he was making those big runs against Colorado, USC, and even Penn state in the Rose bowl. Um, you know, he's been dealing with a nagging injury, which has limited his availability two points this season. But after the bye week you know, he had a lot, he had, he missed the Oregon state game, had the bye week and then he looked really good against Cal looked really good against USC. And you just see those natural instincts with him. And then Sione Vaki, you know, two-way star in the Pac-12 right now, just shining bright. He's, you go back to high school, he was a dynamic two-way player in high school. You right. know, he played receiver, grew up playing running back. So that's where, you know, this natural ability, these natural instincts uh, come from is he's played offense, you know, all in high school growing up. So, uh, you know, it's with, with Sione, it's going to be interesting because, you know, do we continue, do we see his role continue to expand? And I think, you know, I, I do think we see that uh, he's just added a spark to this offense and works really, really well with Jaquin and Jackson, um, you know, who's a dynamic playmaker in his own right. You know, he ripped off a couple 20 yard runs uh, each of the last two weeks as well. So, you know, they work well together and, and, you know, Utah's just now starting to get, you know, better traction up front with their offensive line and, and that run game is starting to get going. We don't have to spend too much time here, but I wanted to at least acknowledge Utah's offensive line because they're always really good from my perspective. And you look at the starts and the career games played, and it feels like every year somehow they figure out a way to have three or four guys that have 30 career games going into whenever they play yeah. Oregon, 20 career starts. They're always experienced. Um, and I think from a Duck fan perspective, if you're listening to this, their left tackle, Spencer Fano, a true freshman someone that Oregon really wanted to get and Spencer went stayed home, went to Utah. How's, how has he looked around a group of offensive linemen? They're all pretty, pretty veteran. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's been good first and foremost for Spencer Fano. I think, you know, when you understand the, the, the context that it's really rare for a true freshman to come in and yep. start as, yeah, and Oregon should know all about that. You've you know recruited studs up there along the offensive line. It's tough to come in as a true freshman and start and make a a big positive impact. But I think Spencer Fano uh, has done a good job. Right, he's done the job that he's needed to. Uh, there's been mistakes. There's been ups and downs. But you know, overall, he's done a, a good job. And he's been dinged up. He got injured against Oregon State, so he's been battling that. But he played. Uh, the majority of the snaps against USC and uh, and fared really well against that athletic front. So you know he's still he's he's seen a lot a lot of firsts right as a true freshman. Uh, you know the the sort of athletes that you're competing against at this level is uh, it's pretty unique. You know on a week to week basis, just how different uh, body types and athletes that that he's coming across and he's he's done well. So uh, you know he's continued to garner respect to, across. You know the conference and across the the country, uh, number of publications look at him as as one of the top freshman offensive linemen in the country, and you know he's he's lived up to that. And then you know with the rest of the offensive line, uh, you know it's it's uh, I think th like I said, they're just starting to hit their stride as well. I think with all of the issues at quarterback uh, and the lack of a passing game, I think it really started to compound. 
issues for Utah in those in that last week specifically against Oregon State. And uh, and yet after the bye week, they've kind of figured some things out. Coley Fayou entered the the starting lineup as a young guy at center, and he's kind of helped uh, address some things, generate more push up front and that sort of stuff. But overall, I think the offensive line is trending in the right direction in terms of their play in both pass pro and 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 you know the run game. But this is going to be the toughest test uh, this this year. Oregon has a, a tough tough defensive front great defensive mind in Dan Lanning and and this is this is definitely going to be the toughest test and they've faced you know some pretty pretty good defensive fronts this year you know Florida they've got athletes they've got gigantic bodies UCLA uh, Oregon State likes to get after it as well and and so you know they'll uh, but this is this is the big one for sure let's spend just a little bit of time at, at on the defensive side of the ball and we have to start with Jonah Ellis um yeah maybe the the Pac-12's best pass rusher um, was he got like 10 sacks this season yep. so far? Absolutely tremendous player. He's only a junior, too. So technically, he could come back, but good God, why would he? Uh, yeah, go make your money, <laughs> young man. Um, yeah. 15, 15 career stars, 32 games. Just what makes him so good, and just what makes this Utah front. We know the answer. They're always good up front. Uh, <laughs> but w- what what makes Jonah Ellis the, the tip of the spear for Utah? Yeah, no, Jonas has been great, and he's really stepped up. And, you know, what's interesting is if you go back to last year, he was just starting to come into his own, um, and then he got hurt the week of that Oregon game last year and missed the rest of the season. And so I, I think there was, like I said, like he was just starting to come into his own. I think he had a couple games where he had a sack uh, consecutively, and and there was a, a growing excitement around Jonah Ellis, where it seemed like, okay, he's the light has come on for him, and so for him, uh, you know, ha- being that close, I think that was extra motivation for him this off season to to kind of, you know, continue to prepare and and you know prepare to take that next that next step, and he's come into this season, and man, the athleticism, uh, the 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 pass rush plan that he has uh, that was one thing that he really wanted to work on was understanding how to have a plan um you know if if I do this and the offensive tackle does that how do I react and that sort of thing and so you know he's he's prepared himself uh and to to be a good pass rusher this year and you've seen it um this year with 10 sacks he leads the conference the Pac-12 which has some great pass rushers right La Yatu Latu at, at UCLA uh Traylon Bryce at Washington uh and Brandon Dorless at, at Oregon as well in there and and there's just a number of good defensive linemen Joan Ellis has taken a big leap and it's all it goes back to his uh his work that he put in this offseason um and man he's put it all together having a you know having your dad be Luther Ellis, who was a tremendous, you know, defensive lineman back in the nineties, you know, playing in the NFL, that, that certainly helps too. Uh, but no, he's, he's been really good. And, you know, this defensive front, it all starts with the defensive tackles. Um, you know, their job is to, to clog things up and that's what they do. And you know, they keep those linebackers free. They keep the edge rushers free and, and they do a, a good job up front of of keeping things clean for for everybody around them. So it all starts with the defensive tackles. When Utah's got a good got a good group of defensive tackles, it tends to bodes well. It tends to bode well for for the rest of the defense, and that's what they've got this year. Maybe the last question defensively before we get to the big picture game outlook type stuff. 
who stops who matches up against Troy Franklin, um, Oregon's star Ooh. receiver, um, one of the best players in college football at that position. Yeah, Utah's always had elite DBs. We 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 know it. Um, we expect it. Who is that guy that you think lines up? You know, with with Troy, or do they kind of go committee and just rotate a bunch of dudes at him? Yeah, I think that's what we'll see. Is we'll see it committee. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that Utah has a, a Jalen Johnson or a Clark Phillips this year where they have a guy that they feel you know can match up. They call it their star coverage um, when they do that. When they have a guy that just okay, you've got him. It's one on one, mano a mano. I'm not sure they have that, but they do have a, a guy in Zamaya Vaughn that they there's a growing confidence in him, a growing optimism, you know, especially when talking about the next level. I think he's starting to uh, to put himself on the map there. He's a third-year guy. He joined the program in 2020, 6'2", uh, 185 pounds, was a quarterback all through high school, and they converted him to the defense side of the ball. Uh, he had started to to emerge in 2021 towards the, the tail end of the, of the season, uh, had a good year last year, but he's really kind of taken a, a good step forward this year. Uh, and really the last couple weeks has, has has taken his game to another level. So he's probably the top guy on the board for, for Utah at cornerback and will probably match up with Troy Franklin a good amount. Uh, that would be a, a fun battle. You know, Zamaya Vaughn is, uh, you know, like I said, 6'2", 185, good length, good athleticism. You know, he's a 4'4 type athlete. Um, and so th- just a, a good matchup physically, uh, athletically, uh, but Troy Franklin, man, he's incredible ball skills. That's going to be tough. Uh, you know, Utah's got a couple other corners, miles battle, six, four, 195 pounds, a lot of length there. Um, JT Broughton, six foot. So they've got guys to match up with them to give him different looks. And I think that's going to be key. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting though, man, Troy Franklin. I remember being at a Utah camp, uh, when Troy was, I think it was a sophomore going into his junior year and, he just he had the Utah camp in a buzz because he's just making grabs over seniors, yeah. and it was apparent there that he was going to be really really good. And so, man, he's I <laughs> I've seen it up close. Like he's man, he's good. He's got incredible he's, ball skills. Yeah, he's got a chance to go down as Oregon's greatest receiver of all time, at least That's statistically speaking. Something. Yeah, and that he's on a, he's on a career path right now. Um, we'll wrap it up here. What are the keys for Utah to get to get a victory? What are the things that you think just have to happen uh, for for a win to be to be possible? Yeah, I think what has to happen, Utah has to establish the run game, uh, which is going to be tough. Oregon's good against the run, uh, and then you know Bryson. To me, all the questions and not all of the questions, but the most important questions always start with the offense side of the ball because yeah. we kind of know what to expect with Utah on, on the defensive side. Uh, but for me, it's can they they need to establish the run first and foremost because that's the foundation of your offense and what you build your success on. And then can Bryson Barnes uh, can he continue to build on his you know good performances the last two weeks and at least provide you know at, take advantage of opportunities that that present themselves? Um, can he make throws that he can? You know, can he continue to make the throws that he needs to that he cannot miss? Uh, as long as he does that. Uh, you know, Utah will will have a chance, but this Oregon team, it's going to require their best, their absolute best. This is the most balanced team 
both offensively and defensively. Uh, and then, you know, this is also the the biggest, toughest, most physical team that they faced as well, which that's that's been the missing missing element in the previous in a lot of these previous games. You know, Utah's just out toughed a lot of these teams, but I don't know that they'll be able to do that with the with the Ducks. Uh, you, I'm not going to ask you to make a score prediction, but do you think we get more points than 37 combined? I mean, last year Ooh. Oregon won 20 to 17. Um, Man, <laughs> what, what's kind of your your number? Are you are we thinking it's going to be low like that? I said it's probably going to be low 30s to to high 20s. Yeah, I think see, it's going to be points. I, I I think there's going to be points. I would say I feel like an over under is probably going to be like around 40 for me. I think they can they can both push get a couple touchdowns. I think we can get that. But it's going to be man like like I said like these teams I don't want to say they're mirror images of yeah. each cuz they're not. But defensively uh very very similar defensively. Um you know can Utah utilize the crowd to their advantage? Does that you know, benefit them where that's now, you know, 12th man of sorts for Utah. That's going to be the key for them in competing against that, that potent offense uh, that Oregon has that Utah doesn't have, right? Utah doesn't have that in this matchup. Um, they've been better balanced. They've been averaging over 400 yards, but um, yeah, I think this is all going to be, this is going to be a, another defensive slug fest. And I think I, I would look 35, 40 point uh, total there for me. Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Look forward to catching up with you in the press box. Uh, 1.30 local kick, 12.30 Pacific time. Game on Fox. The big big boys calling this one. Joel Klatt, uh, Gus Johnson, Jenny Taft on Fox. Uh, Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Look forward to meeting with you uh, Saturday. Sounds good, Matt. Appreciate you, man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.